Trials and tribulations, life can get rough. And through the storm, we'll make it just put your trust in Him. No matter what you're going through, I know that I'll never leave you. You feel that you can't take no more. You may think you've seen it all. I hope you've had a happy and productive week, and I thank you for taking the time to check out this podcast episode of Get Happy with Jay. I'm your host, Jatan Woods. My guest today is Quentin Brown, pastor of New Beginnings Worship Center in Peoria, Illinois. I call it the small church with the big heart because they are making such a huge difference in the impoverished community where the church is located. Pastor Brown has been recognized by city officials and local organizations for the wonderful work he and his congregation are doing. They have developed a park where residents can play and enjoy the outdoors, and each year they put together their back-to-school festival where locals gather with their families to enjoy gospel music, car shows, zoo animals, and so much more. Free food is provided, as well as much-needed school supplies for kids. And these are just a couple of examples of the great work Pastor Brown is doing in his community as a modern-day pastor who goes way beyond the pulpit to touch the people he serves. Now, let's get into to it. Welcome, Pastor Brown. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for being with us today. Um, before the show, we were kind of talking about where the podcast is going to head and uh, what direction I want to go. And I really want to talk to you on a personal level about what it takes to be a pastor today. And you have unique circumstances because of the population that you serve who have um, really a lot of needs that go beyond the spiritual to the natural and where those things meet. Do they clash? How do you blend the two? So let's start. How long have you been pastoring, first of all? Pastoring there, we just made 10 years here. I've been in ministry since I've probably been 21. Wow. Um, spoke my first message at 18, mm-hmm. yeah, came into ministry at 21. And so now we've been doing it a number of years. And um, I held from local, state, and national positions in our organization, mm-hmm. been an evangelist, a lot of different gamuts of, of our evangelical career. And so we've got an opportunity to see a lot of different things and travel a lot of different places as well. Let's go back to the beginning. How did you know that you were called for this particular type of ministry? Uh, for pastoring? itself or ministry itself? Ministry in general. <laughs> you went way back. Way back. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got called the ministry in a unique way. And, mm-hmm. and everything in your life um, is a part of your ministry. We had moved from Wisconsin, came down, I'll make a short, um, a long story short, my mother was sick and I didn't grow up in church. And, and this is something that'll help a lot of people. Never had to go to church, never was made to go to church. Wow. But had church influence all around me. My uncle had been a pastor pastor and evangelist um, for 50-something years and different things like that. But I was never made to go to church. But my run-in with God was when my mother was sick, and she had been she was losing 10 pounds a week. And mm-hmm. nobody could find out what was going on. I was staying with my sister in Chicago and all of that. And 
long story short, she was saved. And so I had to go to church. That was yeah. her house rule. And so God battled with me through that process of growing and her sickness and all of that kind of stuff. And he backed me into a corner mm-hmm. to challenge him in faith. And I had this is the first time I've ever had stepped out of my faith. And stepped out of my faith and asked God after she had coded this one night four times and she Mm. was leaving out of here, ran through traffic, almost got hit by cars. And I ran to my room and jumped on my knees and I asked the Lord, if you're God and I know the Bible, I learned these stories now and I know all of this, but I need to know you're God for me in my life for real. Mm -hmm. Rise her up and I'll serve you. Mm -hmm. I need to know if you're God for real. And that's what he did. And he sent the help that she needed a doctor from a different country mm-hmm. that they they found out what was going on with her. And they happened to be a friend of my sister's. And it was a Chinese doctor, looked at her, examined her, found out what the root cause was. And then I saw her body start recuperating and mm-hmm. coming back up. And then when she got released out of hospital down the line, I was in service. And, and I'll never forget the Lord spoke to me. And he said, remember what you said. And that's how I got baptized and gave my life to God. And then a year later or so, um, after I graduated, um, she passed. But I had a different piece because what happened was in that process of me getting saved, my mother watched my life. Mm-hmm. And what happened was she watched it so good, she went silent for a month. She wasn't talking to nobody. And she she got baptized and gave her life to God. And the reason why she did it that way, it was later told that she says, I know this guy right here. I'm the 10th child. Um, 10, wow. 10th <laughs> child of my family. I'm number 10. And she said, he never went to church. I've mm-hmm. never made him go to church. But what I see in him, I know there's something different that happened in his mm-hmm. life. And when I looked at his life, I wanted the same thing for my life and where I am. And lo and behold, and that's what she did, gave her life to God. About less than about two years later, she passed away. Mm-hmm. And then a year after that, I spoke my first message, which was, you always, you always remember your first message, the light at the end of the tunnel, <laughs> uh, about how God is that light. Yeah. No matter you're going through the dark places in your life, God is the one that lights the way to your life. Now, God answered you in a direct way and immediately mm-hmm. what do you say to the people that come to you for counsel where <clears throat> excuse me that has not been their experience mm-hmm. where they have kind of had that moment where they sort of challenged God or, or asked God you know if you're God I need this to happen or that well we all know that with God mm-hmm. you know you're going to have a potential of three responses you're going to mm-hmm. get a yes you're going to get a no or wait <coughs> which mm-hmm. wait is the one we always hate you'd yeah. almost rather here no and you'll see you'll, you'll see a lot of weights yeah oh yeah there's <laughs> a lot more weights than there are sometimes other yeah. answers and then sometimes you don't necessarily get mm-hmm. an answer or that you expect yeah so how do you encourage people that have not had that experience that you've had mm-hmm. but are challenged that their prayer did not necessarily get answered or in a way that they can see that it's answered. I'm going to hit it on a couple different angles. One, we have to understand God is someone we cannot manipulate or or control. Mm -hmm. God understands all our pains and the things that we go through. And a lot of the things that we go through, we might not understand that it's for our building, for the betterment of who we are. And some of the things that, that God and the way he speaks, he speaks through our lives. 
and through our experiences and the different things that we go through. But he's there. His presence is there. And sometimes in that waiting process, God is waiting and is working on us. He's working our hearts and he's healing us in the process of certain things going through. My ministry was started um, at New Beginnings. The first funeral at my church was my daughter. My Mm -hmm. daughter was the first funeral. We came from a city, came down to fulfill a calling, a church that that closed off. We refounded it in the whole nine yards. And the day that it really opens, not too long after that, the first funeral I'm doing is my newborn daughter. Mm, And so right then and there, you know, I always use my personal experiences. I could have ran the other way. I could have ran and went the other direction. But a lot of things that are that are great in God are founded on a lot of the things that we go through in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God will deliver us them out of them all. Mm-hmm. God, even though we go through a lot of different things, God is there leading and guiding through those dark periods of our life. And there's a purpose for it. And we might not know it right then and there. Mm-hmm. But our, our whole deal is to trust God and to have faith in God, even when we can't see our way. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing. Um, it's a faith walk with God. and But God will lead you through and he'll comfort your heart even through the despair of your lives. Yes. Well, I'm a witness to that. Um, are you finding that you're coming across more people that um, not just haven't had a church background or like you have weren't made to go to church, but that are almost atheistic? Mm-hmm. Because it seems like, especially online and, and social media and that type of thing, I am seeing more and more things about atheism mm-hmm. rather than just... yeah. You know, not an indifference, but outright atheism that yep. there is no God. Are you finding that? And what challenge, what kind of a challenge is it when you come across people like that who are so resistant? You what got, do you do with that? You got two two big groups of people out there now. Um, you got the ones that they call the nuns. The nuns are people that have no real interaction with God at all. Haven't had any, don't understand about church and all of that. And it's a great opportunity for the church to mm-hmm. reach them. Because of the fact that their minds uh, have not been preset to anything. Mm-hmm. And we can present that gospel to them in a great way to let them understand what the, the great message of the gospel of Jesus Christ has doing in their lives. On the atheism side, it all depends on the, the people themselves. Each atheist is an individual person. Yes. And, and depending on what has caused them to go that way is is the fact of what you have to really pray for in dealing with them because a lot of times some of them that are atheists were Christians because of an experience in their life and this and this and that. They turned that way because they feel that God didn't answer this or cure this person in my family, and so there is no God, mm-hmm. and that's not true. It's the fact that they have not really um, gotten a real relationship with him, yeah. and this is what the problem is. It's a relationship problem, mm-hmm. and atheists, um, um, and you have a lot of, uh, I don't want to use that, that term, but a lot of people that are in the educational institutions today in colleges and things that have been equipped with a lot of education mm-hmm. that have become educated fools because of the fact that they've got all this knowledge and they think that they have a grasp on the universe and, and how the world really works. And you work in the medical field, oh, yeah. so I think you definitely yeah. see that. I see it all that the time. kind of like almost a God complex yeah. with certain physicians. And, and, and you have to understand and you have to show them God in a whole nother way. Mm-hmm. And they see it through the actions of your life and what you do. 
Mm-hmm. The Bible calls this living epistles read of all men. What do and what do they see when they see you mm-hmm. as an individual, no matter who they are from a doctor level to whatever level? Um, what do they see you? And what really blows a lot of these professional minds and different ones that I meet when they really get a chance to talk to me, look at my background and education and different things like that and see the things that I do. They look at themselves and they find out there's a lack in them. Mm-hmm. And they like, wait a minute now, if you're doing all of this and you have this and this and this and this, what's the missing element? And the missing element is obvious. It's Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, and they need somebody to present Christ to them at all levels. And that's why I tell my church. Um, one of the great things that I push is education. I want people to be educated. I want the church not to be looked at as an ignorant entity, mm-hmm. that we're just people running around speaking in tongues and this and this. And this. No, there's some educated, well-managed people that are at all levels, from doctors to lawyers to the garbage men, whatever, and they're very educated mm-hmm. in who they are as a person acknowledging what they have in the world, but also serve God. Mm -hmm. And this is what people have to understand, that even in the pastorate and different things like that, I don't just pastor. People think I just pastor. Some of the people that met me and see me because they see me at church a lot in the day and this and this and that think I just pastor, but I don't. I got 30 years of education in the medical field. I got two bachelor's degrees, working on a doctorate. I got cardiology certification. I worked in anesthesia, respiratory, different sides of my life mm-hmm. that, that helped me in my field of ministry so I can be all things to all people. Like Paul said, you have to become all things to all people and to be able to grasp people and to be able to let people understand that this gospel is for everybody. Does it ever in maybe your darkest moments feel like a burden sometimes? Have you ever had to battle that? Like, wow, this is just so much. I have so much on my shoulders because you're a husband, you're a father, you're a pastor, you're a career professional. Does it ever get to be too much? And how do you work your way out of those moments and feeling like that? The song says, nobody told me that the road would be easy. (laughs) But, but the answer to that is the same, that, that he will not leave you. And Mm -hmm. it is a burden. It is, but it's a burden for Christ, and God gives you um, the opportunity through your servitude to give the weight back to him. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of pastors um, miss out. There's a statistic out there that over 3,000 churches close, and almost the same number of pastors leave the pulpit every year. I have mm-hmm. a friend in Chicago right now that's dealing with that um, left a prominent church in a, in a in an African-American community that needed that pastor there mm-hmm. in, 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 in one of the gardens there. And what happened is he just walked off and left. And it's an example of pastors don't have that balance in their life. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, they're walking away because of stress and this and that. And they have not gotten that balance in their life. And they haven't given God back the burden because pastoring is a balance of understanding your abilities, but also understand your insignificance. And mm-hmm. you have to understand that God is, is going to pick up all of it. Mm-hmm. Because he's the one who gave you your gifts, but also he knows that you're going to have to go back to him to get what you need to pastor. How do you keep yourself in check as far as not kind of getting the big head, uh, not mm-hmm. making it about you? Because 
I think any of us listening can think of examples of pastors or people in ministry that we know that we've seen kind of go down the path of it becoming me, 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 me Mm -hmm. to the point where they almost want people to, it's almost like people are worshiping them Mm -hmm. and not God. So how do you keep from that happening? And especially like you pastor a small church, but you guys do so much. Mm -hmm. You're getting so much attention in the community, awards, and accolades are stacking up. Mm-hmm. How do you keep yourself humble? There's a scripture that says, and there's two two, two things that really keep me humble, and it's it's, it's been embedded in me. My scripture that, that keeps me humble is God resist the proud and mm-hmm. give grace to the humble. That's that's my wall scripture right there. To to check Q every day to let Q know it ain't about you. Mm-hmm. I tell my church that you have to understand you're a glorified piece of dirt that God breathed in and gave you an opportunity to serve. Mm-hmm. You came from the dirt of this earth, and God's grace and mercy has given you life and abundance through him. But you're going back to where you started. Mm-hmm. So I always remember when I walk on my lawn every day and I, and, and, and I have to deal and mow it every summer, I always understand that I'm going back there, mm-hmm. and this is where I came. But it's the grace of God I'm walking on top of it right now. Mm-hmm. And then it's my wife, and she always keep me humble. <laughs> As she, only a woman can yeah, do. Oh yeah, she'll let you know, you know, this and this and that. But she'll get she, too big for your britches now. She'll she'll she she keeps me level. Mm-hmm. She's always been that person to help me keep level and to, to be um, who I am, but also a pusher to to excel me and to continue to move forward on so many different things and to allow you to flourish. Yeah, and you, and, you don't want to hold your loved one back. Yeah, and she she allows me to be me, to use my gifts, my talents and abilities, and a lot of things that have been birthed out of that. She's helped birth a lot of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why we're helpmates to each other in the ministry because you. Your spouse, if you're married, is right there with you ministering. How important is it, do you think, to have that partner in your life? It's very important. So I um, see a lot of uh, pastors that are single. Do you think they're kind of missing something? They're missing something in the the regards of that support um, on on one instance because of the fact that that support mate, when you need somebody in your darkest hour, is there Mm -hmm. to pray for you and to push you forward and to to love you and and that that can see your faults but never ever expose them but or all, use them against you yeah mm-hmm. and, and 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 but will always champion you as a person mm-hmm. and push you forward to excel and they're missing that on that regards um some of them stay single because maybe they're waiting but some of them feel that I can do more and I'm not going to be hindered down and some are called to do that yeah you know, Paul was called to do that but it's an individual basis and you have to know the importance of both and also the struggles of both mm-hmm. because single pastors, especially if you're successful in what you do, they're coming at you. You know, they're coming at you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I can't say it like I say at the church. They're throwing the draws at you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> but they hey, are. even as a married pastor, yeah. I'm sure yeah. you have to uh, be careful of that because yeah. I, um, I have a good friend that who's a bishop now, but he. Um, had been in music ministry mm-hmm. for decades and worked closely with some of the the biggest mega preacher yeah. name level pastors and some of the stories yeah. that he has told me mm-hmm. about some of the just absolutely shameful things oh, yeah. that people have done we got to stories. try to seduce mm-hmm. the man or woman of yeah. God and they'll do it right in front of your wife yeah 
you know. I know one time, um, and I'll just throw his name out here, out there because uh, a lot of our listening audiences probably heard a Bishop Noel Jones. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget one time I had gone to Chicago to hear him speak at mm-hmm. one of our sister churches in our organization and I was leaving out after the service and he happened to be coming out at the same time I wasn't even necessarily aware that he was around and this sister came up and like literally pushed me out of the way Mm -hmm. almost knocked me down Mm -hmm. so rude to try to get to him And I looked at that and I stopped because I didn't realize what was going on at first. I'm like, wow, what is what on earth? And then I saw that she was trying to make her way to him. And mm-hmm. then she was flipping her weave and, and all this stuff and mm-hmm. like batting her eyelashes. And she literally yep. tried to get out of him what hotel he was staying in. Yep. And I'm thinking, really? Mm-hmm. We're in church. What What is going on? Uh, this, this, this is this is part of the, the social society of of church. And mm-hmm. people don't want to deal with that side of it, but that it's so true. And and it's bad the fact of you got people out there that are that way. Mm-hmm. They come after ministers, um, female or male. Yeah. You know, and they, they come at you that way and they have no respect for the real office None. or your spouses and all of that. Mm-hmm. It's just about their fleshly desires. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's part of the reason why you got to be safe for yourself. Yeah. And you, you've got to hold that standard and value. And this is part of what ministry is all about. People are looking at um, your life. They're mm-hmm. looking at what you do and the things you do and how you do. And there's always going to be um, challenges and there are always going to be things that are going to be tempting you and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that's why you need Because you're God. never tempted with something that can't tempt you. Yeah. The devil always brings something that you right. like. Right, he's gonna bring something that you like. You like, and that's and that's what and that's the reason why you have to be aware of that all the time. So you were speaking of your wonderful spouse before. Mm-hmm. With everything that you do, how do you balance that home life and the time for your wife and kids versus all these other needs that are pulling at you with what you do? And we 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 got a pretty good balance of of life now. Um, so many different sides of me. And one of the things that I always do is know that the first ministry is home. Mm-hmm. The first ministry is home. It's not church, it's home. Yeah. And you have to give not only my wife and my kids and different ones that time. And, and like, this is spring break. This is my, like, family time. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm off all week. I'm taking care of a few things, spending a lot of time with her. And, and the family and doing different things in one-on-one and stuff like that, it's important. I try to take three um, major vacations a year, mm-hmm. a lot of getaways, and, and I balance it all out with that and also during the week. And there's only certain times I'm at church during the week. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not living there. And, yeah. and some pastors live at their church. And, and I think that's a mistake. Yeah, it's a big mistake mm-hmm. because you have to balance out the work and all of that kind of stuff. My projects, my major projects, my minor projects, we work them all out. We know when we're going to do them, and we put forth the efforts mm-hmm. even at other entities that, that I may be able to do that that does not affect my family and different mm-hmm. things like that. And we balance it out and get it done because there's so many different sides. But I keep everything and I keep the main thing, the main thing, which is family. Mm-hmm. And that's what you have to keep. You have to keep your family um, focused on that. And it's always going to be a battle to do it. Yeah. But you always have to um, be in that battle. Mm-hmm. So that your family can know that you're there 
and that and then we take family vacations we do different things we spend that time Mm -hmm. that's important and also one of the big things when i started my church was and i I addressed my church every so many years about it i said let my kids be kids my kids are not me Mm -hmm. they're not called to pastor i just had a guest on last (laughs) week that is a she was a preacher's kid yeah and we talked about that pressure that's put on mm-hmm. you in that position because your father or mother yeah. is in ministry. I take I take it off and I let them know my kids are just like your kids. They're going to be bad, just like your bad kids. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> this and this and this. They're growing. All these kids are growing. They're finding their own and stuff like that. Stop saying, oh, you're your pastor's kid. He's a kid. Mm-hmm. She's a kid. They they have their own identity they're going to um, get in trouble. They're going to do this and do that. They have to learn their way just like I had to learn my way. And when God gets to the point of their life and calls them to whatever they're called to do, then let them do it. Mm-hmm. But they might not be called at all to do that. But I want them serving somehow in some kind of ministry mm-hmm. or to have that relationship with God. And I don't want them to resent church. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. Some, that can happen because yeah. I've seen a lot of PKs who yeah. just – get out of church and never come back because for a lot of reasons, for personal reasons that they experience church hurt. Yeah. Yeah. But I try to make the church experience, even for my kids, something enjoyable and take Mm -hmm. them on trips and different things. And they're going with their friends in church and all that kind of stuff. And you can create an atmosphere for them, you know, so that they can be continue to grow Mm -hmm. and do different things. And that's what we're doing. And that church doesn't become a chore to them. Yep. Mm-hmm. But it comes to be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And and that's the reason why I even have to talk to members sometimes so they can understand that don't be so stressful on it. Lighten up. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids, you have to deal with kids as kids. Love them where they are mm-hmm. and, and help cultivate and grow them. And know that each one of them's different. Yeah. They have their own little different personalities. Yeah. And they're going to be who they are. And they don't they don't hear I'm a pastor's kid. They don't care about that. My kids don't care about that. <laughs> They're like, yeah, I am. You know, but when it comes to the importance of understanding it and knowing it, they know that. Mm-hmm. You know, my especially my daughter. And and he she she's she understands certain things that I, I, I laugh about certain things. And I see that she understands that God is able to do certain things. Mm-hmm. And I have and she has a different mindset of what she expects in her life because she knows who God and what God can do. And so she sees that and she's already has goals for herself in her own life. And she understands that somehow uh, this is going to accomplish because I see what God is doing in my daddy. And yeah. so if he can do it in my daddy, he can do it in me. And so she understands that philosophy. Talk about pastoring where you pastor. Mm -hmm. As I said in my introduction, your church is located in kind of an impoverished part of the city. Mm -hmm. I don't want to just simply label it as that because Mm -hmm. there are wonderful working class, even middle class people that live in that community that are overlooked. People only look at it for um, the obvious problems that do exist, but there Mm -hmm. are people that intentionally choose to live on that side of town that don't have to. So um, there is a lot of uh, love and pride of the South Side. But uh, Mm -hmm. like I said, there's challenges too. speak to that. And being a church on there, I I see great opportunity. And sometimes Mm -hmm. um, people or churches that are on those sides of towns, they choose to move out of there. Yes, they do. Because of the fact that they don't want to deal with the challenges that are in certain areas. Mm -hmm. And what we chose to do 
is to allow God to lead us and say, we're not moving, we're staying, and we're going to be an intricate part of that community and change it from the inside and to be a church that does something different than others do. And because of that, God's favor has fallen on us. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that when I got installed to pastor, um, our diocese and bishop, Bishop Bell, told me, he says, God has called us to these areas to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And this is the reason why God plants churches in certain places. Now it's the fact of, does that pastor understand that challenge or will he run from that challenge and mm-hmm. go for the glory of whatever? Right. Look know? at it as a, just a stepping stone yeah. to something else. Yeah. And what we've done is made it a stepping stone to put something in that community that wasn't there before. Mm-hmm. Even our new church, we chose um, to, to, to deal with a new building and things like that. And we bought it out um, and and turned it around and rehabbed it. And a lot of people don't know this. We took a building that was in, oh, that went down, turned it around. The insurance company came back and appraised it for a million dollars. Wow. It's a million dollars. That means the property value around us has just went up. Mm-hmm. Everything around us has just went up. And that means the area is going going to go up mm-hmm. because of the fact of what we're doing inside of the south side. And and now we're on our second phase of, of finishing some other things in the church, putting another park in the area. We're looking at doing that and also looking at the phase two down the line of adding on to our building in the years to come. I'm setting up some stuff for the future, Pastor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if God, look, God says the same and I get the chance to see it, but we're setting up some things now for what's ahead for new beginnings, but also looking at things we're setting up now to face some of the challenges that are in that community from not having a grocery store in there. Yeah, um, the food desert. That's yeah, a big problem. Desert, education, a um, lot of different things that are lacking in that community. But what I've, what I've chosen to do is work cohesively with other nonprofit groups in that community to come up with certain things that that can help um, negate some of those challenges that are there in that community. Mm-hmm. Um, District on 50 um, has instituted a great program that churches can get involved in, and they do everything, I think, free for you. Only thing you need is freezers and all that kind of stuff. And so we're looking at that of setting up um, a feeding program. Mm-hmm. Um, and because so many young folks don't have food in their houses yeah, and so many families don't. And so that's going to be one of the big things that we're looking at, really helping to feed that community. Um, we're going to be have these overswelling food banks. Mm-hmm. There's so much that's going to be needed inside of that community. It's L- so needed. I yeah. did not realize how many kids go mm-hmm. home to not knowing if there's going to be food on the table. Yeah. I had a guest on um, a couple of weeks ago who's a great young man who works with this organization called Generosity Feeds. Mm-hmm. And uh, what they do is they look to put food packets together yep. for students that they can take home That's over the weekend. It's a big thing. Yeah. And um, he said statistically 80% of kids mm-hmm. within the Peoria area, District 150, 80% of those kids have food needs. Yep, it is. And that's one of the big needs. And that's why it's so hard for them to really focus on education mm-hmm. because of the fact they're hungry. Yeah. You know, we're hungry. We, we're coming to school hungry. We might have came off a weekend hungry, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so now they have that struggle with, you know, I can't listen to you because I'm hungry, yeah. you know, because and meeting other needs. They and might, that's in addition to whatever else yeah. may be going on at home as to why. Yeah. Housing, yeah. whatever, um, what's going on. If 
parents are working, not working. They're going through so many struggles all at one time. If a parent has a substance abuse yeah. issue. All of those kind of different things play in, and you're ministering to that. Mm-hmm. You have to deal with those things. And we're just, we just had an opportunity to talk with our youth leader because one of the things I, I wanted him to do in, in starting, cause he's, he's one of the products of that community that came out, and I wanted him to go back in and start a male mentoring program right mm-hmm. inside of the Very south needed. side mm-hmm. and because he has to grab those males and grab these young kids in those community and then impact their lives through how God has changed your life. Mm-hmm. You know, came from nothing and, and doing crazy stuff out there and just hanging out to, to going back to school, getting his 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 um, first part of nursing, going into now physical therapy and all kinds of different things. And I said, now it's time for you to give back into that community and and, and, and share that wisdom to these young people and pour into them and pour life into them. And so these are some of the mentoring things that we want to be doing. And we're going to be bringing in OSF in a bigger way to do some other things with these children to show them um, an opportunity that they can have, not mm-hmm. only in the medical fields, but other fields as well, to help um, show them that they can do great things in their life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter where you came from. It's, it matters where you're going. Right. And so it's to change the mindsets of that. And ministry is a part of all of that. You can't just, we're just, we're ministering the gospel, the hope of Jesus Christ, but also we got to minister to the needs that are there as well mm-hmm. from educational needs and showing people. One of the big things that I make people do in my church, if you don't have a GED, you're going to get one. Mm-hmm. That's one of the major things. You're going is not a choice because you're no good to yourself or nobody. Right. You know, and that's one of the things that we push education. You want to empower yourself to be more than you are. And so it starts with education. And so that will be a role model not only to yourself, but also to your children and those that are around you. And continue to push them further. Now, mm-hmm. don't stop. Let's go further and see what you can be for your lives. And continue to move forward and continue to um, and empower your life. And then look at other needs that are going to be in there. The festival that you mentioned um, has grown. This is ninth year. Mm-hmm. I think the ninth year for that festival and what we've we've changed and, and we continue to partner with different companies and different things is is really meeting the needs of children, especially going to school. We're, we're going after different things to combat different sides of it. Um, and that's huge because when um, I had was raising my niece and nephew mm-hmm. and my husband and I both worked. Mm-hmm. And getting ready for school was hard for us. Yeah. I was like, I cannot imagine a family of like four, five, six kids. Yeah. It's a struggle sometimes getting one kid off to school because you're buying cl- new clothes, whether it's uniforms. I think sometimes when you're going to a school where there's a uniform, it's even more of a challenge because you got to buy those uniforms, but they mm-hmm. still also need other clothes. Yep. So it's kind of like a double, a double thing for that. And then all the school supplies and that's at, that adds up. It does. I mean, we were spending hundreds of dollars for one kid mm-hmm. getting ready for school. I cannot even imagine yeah. multiple children in a family. And that's why hundreds of people come through their year. Hundreds yeah. of people. Now that day, hundreds of people come through that thing. Mm-hmm. And and they and we've grown every year. Um, to see more book bags added, more school supply bags added, people coming in for the free physicals and dental and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We've gotten Molina Health to jump on board. 
um, Heartland Clinic, different ones. It's almost like a medical pavilion on one side. And then you got all the other services from the, the Gospel Fest and, and, and then food that is there given out all day long. And, and companies that jump in and give things away and all kinds of it's a it's a great day to impact the whole community at one mm-hmm. time. I and, think that's the largest event on the south side of Peoria every year. Yeah, and and we have so many companies that have joined with it, mm-hmm. and that is what has really propelled it into a whole major another deal. And then it started a whole different side of my ministry too, because we started a, a side of my motivational side. It's called Leap of Faith, and I look at now empowering other churches and nonprofit organizations now. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we we just came back a couple weeks ago from Chicago to teaching churches and nonprofit groups how to, first of all, um, look at in your community to find businesses and different things that will give and donate into your churches. Mm-hmm. Number two, knowing how to write a donation letter all the way to knowing how to write a grant. Yeah. We taught all of that inside of that. And then when we got to the third level, everybody loved that. There were certain foundations. There's three websites that we got into on the thing that showed where all the major um, funds you can find it, what they're giving for for foundations and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then we gave information out for certain foundations and what they gave right off the top with them Mm -hmm. that that people can took with them and all that kind of stuff. And they left there with a whole bunch of information. And we'll be back in Chicago. And it was funny because they called me to come to Chicago Mm -hmm. to go and do that. And uh, I just reached out to Pastor Hightower when NAACP because I sent him a message because I want to do it here. Um, I want the pastors to understand there's a, a whole bunch of information that is out there, but we're not taking advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Thousands of thousands of dollars was opened up to those churches. Mm-hmm. And it's for everybody in the country that knows how to do it. But you have to change what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just the offering plate anymore. The yeah. f- majority of my stuff comes from outside the church. Mm-hmm. When it comes to my outreach and things like that from foundations, from grants, from a lot of different things that have empowered our church to do more. And we're looking to do more mm-hmm. to continue to grow and to do the different but I, things. But I think that is what makes a difference. Mm-hmm. You as a leader have been an example to your congregants that you're not just talking it. You're actually doing this, not for any personal benefit or gain, but to actually give back to the community. And we have to do that. Mm-hmm. And But also my responsibility to empower others that want to be empowered. Mm-hmm. See, and, and just like when my friend told me, I got a chance to see him. He says, the one thing I love about you, you're going to try to help people. But you also understand that you can't help everybody. Yeah. You know, and that's the whole that's thing. That's true. You know, one of the things that, that I want to really try to break up in this city is the fact of the isolated islands of pastors mm-hmm. that have been isolating themselves from each other, but don't understand that we're here to empower this city. Or they they almost seem like they're competing yeah. with other churches, and that's completely unnecessary. Yeah. There's this, no need for competition. Yeah, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And with that, and what they're doing is they're spinning their wheels because they're not getting anything done. Mm-hmm. Because our, we've been around, I just told you, we've only been here 10 years, Jay. Mm-hmm. We've been here only 10 years. Some of these ministries have been around three, six times longer than me. But we've got a lot more done in that time. 
because we've changed our perspective on ministry and we continue to evolve ministry mm-hmm. because you have to continue to involve and change what you're doing, not the message, yeah. but the well, method. Well, I think, yeah, and I think some people get comfortable almost to where your church becomes a social club yeah. that you just come and you see like-minded people and you just gather and you know what I mean? It mm-hmm. becomes not a ministry anymore, but almost your weekly entertainment. Yeah, and it can't be that way. There's people coming in the doors hurting. There's people that are out there that need to know that there's places to go to that are going to empower them to be more. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to continue to do. We got to not, and as you brought it up, it can't be about the pastor. It can't be about the church name. It can't be about that. It's about changing that community. That time when um, um, we had, um, I don't know, it was a second or third shooting and different things like that, right? When they were dealing with that Kroger deal. And we put that dead body out. And mm-hmm. everybody was talking about that dead body we put out on the thing. And the police department came. And they came over not only to support us, but also they were laughing because they told me, they said, that body looks so real. He said, <laughs> he said, he said we saw it come across Facebook. And we looked and said, they sent the units out to look at it. And they said, we had never seen anything so realistic on there. But also it impacted us to realize Mm -hmm. that that there's got to be changes that are done Mm -hmm. inside of our community. But you sparked something that even shook us to realize and understand that, hey, we have to make um, our voices known, but also we have to, as a community, but make go those into that a little bit more because people aren't going to necessarily know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a visual sermon yeah. that you set up. Yeah, we set up a visual sermon out on the street, right on Lincoln, mm-hmm. on the table. We made a mock ship, realistic dead body, and put it on the table with blood stains and the whole nine yards. And we had a feed day for the community, but. The message was the fact of we had different messages that were sprawled across the bottom and the top. And it involved education, it involved us changing and having pride in our community, involved us changing what we do and empowering ourselves, all different kind of messages of positiveness so we can make certain changes that we need to know. We can't complain about things that we don't want to change. Yeah. And so we have to, um, we sent those 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 messages for those were walking by, came by, saw it on Facebook. We got calls from all over the country on that day. Yeah. From New York, California, Mexico. Yeah, it went viral. And and it, it opened up something to people, but it also sparked um, some things in other pastors' hearts for them to make changes in their community, also be more community involved as well. Well, thank you for what you do. Thank you for spending time with us this weekend. Always because, a pleasure. Yeah, it's a holiday weekend, and uh, you definitely took some time away from family to be here. So thank you so much. We will definitely have you back. You're a wealth of knowledge to talk about many different topics. But really, thank you so much for being so personal on the um, the personal side of pastoring. That's a side that people don't necessarily see or think about, that as a man of God, that that's not just what you do. You're a whole person and how you balance balance things and mm-hmm. I think you'll help people that listen to know that it does take a balance in all things, even in pastoring. It does.
So thank you for your time today. It's a pleasure to be here. And thanks for everyone that's listening to the Get Happy with Jay podcast. This show is edited, hosted, and produced by yours truly. Would you like to join my happy team? If you're interested in helping boost our social media presence, which we desperately need, I would love to have you come on board as a volunteer. As the show itself takes so much of my time, in addition to having both a full and part-time job, I recognize that I need to definitely step it up on the social media side of things. Just shoot me a message on the Facebook page, Get Happy With Jay, and I'll get back with you. For my wonderful listeners, I am so excited that we are officially six months into this podcast. I've been blessed with so many great guests to tackle some interesting topics. I really want to know what you guys think of the podcast so far. I'll be doing an upcoming episode where I answer all of your questions. If there's anything you'd like to know about me or any of the guests or any of the topics that we've covered, send me your your questions. Above all else, help us spread the word about the podcast. Remember to subscribe, but also to comment and review. Thank you and special thanks to Pastor Brown for being with us on this episode. Until next time, do something to make yourself happy. It's not selfish, it's self-care. <laughs>